Hello, Molo, Sawona, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Durban. We are part of a global family of churches with a purpose to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. You can find us in big cities like London, New York, Paris, and Joburg. You can also find us in nations like Bangladesh, Botswana, China, and even Hawaii. In Durban, we have a local vision of being a healthy church that starts other healthy churches. Our mission is reach, disciple, impact. We want to reach every person, every campus, and every nation. Join this mission to honor God and Everybody, how are you? Good, good, good. Thank you very much. I have my own personal technical team here. <laughs> all right, it is good to be standing here before all of you in this cold weather. Yeah, and um, it's a beautiful day, and I'm warm, so that's good. <laughs> uh, before I start, can we please pray? Father, you are good, you are wonderful, and your word is precious to us. We thank you that it is your word that works in our lives and transforms us, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, dear Father, that we are listening to your word. We are attentive to your word because it is life. So we give you the praise for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting how when you, when you think you know something and you try to say it uh, from, from memory and then you don't quite remember it, and you're like, okay, I'm going to wing it. <laughs> Those who know, know. Anyway, um, last week we started a series, started the series so beautifully, the series on winning the war in, in our mind, winning the war in your mind. He did an excellent job of really starting us off and reminding us that, um, you know, we, we are here on earth to know the will of our Father and to live it out. And he did such a powerful, um, you know, he gave such a powerful word reminding us of this and that often in our situations we forget what the will of God is or we struggle to know what it is. We struggle to discern the will of God and he said that if we are not transformed, we follow the pattern of the world and are not able to know what the will of God is. And as God's children, we need to know so that then we can live as those who are transformed, not follow that pattern that we live in. It's interesting that Jesus said that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And there needs to be a difference between us and the world. And... Um, you know, as I was thinking about this, I just thought about discernment and how discernment is a funny thing. Uh, you know, when you speak to Christians, uh, when we talk about uh, discernment, a lot of the times we refer to uh, discerning of spirits, which is a gift that God has given to us. It is very important, but it's not the only discernment that we need to have. So this type of discernment we get as a gift from the Lord. We don't do anything to use it or to have it. You just have it and you discern, um, you know, various spirits, which I'm not going to go deep into. And then we have this other discernment, which is not a free gift. This one, we have to put a bit of muscle behind. We have to do a bit of work. It requires a little bit of work from our side. So today we're just going to look at um, how our minds work a little bit, but we'll also look at how to then change the things that we don't like that are in our minds, how to change them. Because at least I'm here to tell you, the good news is that we can change uh, how we think. We can change our so-called stuckness. Um, that I heard somebody using that word. It doesn't exist, but I like it anyway. So we can use our stuckness, you know, because it makes me imagine someone who is stuck in mud and they can't move. So we can change this. So... Uh, like I said, the other discernment we have to work towards because it involves our minds, it involves our brains and how our minds work. 
because you see we make our situa- we make decisions we make choices based on the assessment of the information that comes into us through our senses so um what is important to understand is that our discernment is largely controlled by what state our minds are in so if my mind is confused and it's cluttered then my discernment will be off it won't be the way that it is meant to be and the state of our mind is determined by various factors such as our background etc etc so we are conditioned uh, by where we come from the things that people have said to us the good and the bad things that people have said to us our experiences and also the things that we expose ourselves to so my state of mind is also determined by the things that i think about often you see our thoughts and thinking patterns are wired into us and it's so difficult to change those ways of thinking also what they do is that they formulate what we call belief systems so you can have good belief systems a good belief system and you can have a bad uh, or rather a negative belief system one that doesn't propel you towards hearing what god is saying one that doesn't propel you to succeed as god said that we will succeed so um so we believe certain things about ourselves others and the world okay because of this and um often this is because of all these thoughts that you have entertained through your life so i'm just going to give you a small example now here you have little okay i'm not going to say little johnny it seems that every time people make examples little johnny so <laughs> so here you have a, a little baby okay we'll use ledaho because that's the baby that is in my space at the moment so let's say ledaho um he is as old as he is he's about 11 months old right now and um letaho wants attention right and then he tries to gain somebody else's attention and they don't give it to him then he cries and then somebody runs to him okay so now letaho learns that okay if i want to get attention i must cry or maybe at first it doesn't register but there's a thought that begins forming that oh okay i tried to clap my hands nobody looked I tried to wave nobody looked but when I cried somebody came to me and then something else happens and he cries and then someone rush, rushes to him so that now that thought becomes strengthened in his mind and then he carries on maybe um he wants something and it's not something that he's supposed to have so he grabs onto something and then you say no and then he holds onto it and you say no and then when he cries you say oh, okay it's fine ah so if i want to get my way i must cry anything i want i need to cry and then when i cry then the world the environment responds to me and tells me that this is the way and tells me that i will get what i want if i cry now here's the thing letaho grows up okay we have 40 something year old letahos who will cry who will throw a tantrum and they know that when they shout and they, and when they throw a tantrum they get their way now this has been solidified in their brains in their minds this is how they think and try as much as they want to this is how they get things done in their world they don't know any other way of doing it because they have learned through their lives as they were growing up that this is how you do it So that's just one tiny example. So it's like this. In our minds you have uh, I'll give you another illustration. You know when when I was growing up there were we had grassy fields a lot of them. So if something was built let's say on the other side then people needed to create a path. Okay. So the first person who will walk through that grass will have problems because it's the grass is very high. But as the person walks the grass starts to 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 lay low in that place and then the second person comes and the grass begins to be flat eventually after many months of people walking in that place it's no longer grassy but it becomes quite hard and dry because there's been walking that has happened there so it is so with our thoughts as well and our minds that the more you feed a thought or the more you think about something that thing becomes solidified in your mind 
and you start believing that this is how the world is or this is how I ought to react to the world or this is, you know, you begin to learn those certain things. So that's how it is. Now, um, I'm not going to take it very scientific just so that we all understand what we're talking about. But uh, then those pathways that are formed in our minds, amazingly, they're not just, you know, our thoughts are not just things that are floating around, but they're actually things that formulate um, substances within our brain. So each time you have a thought, there's, there's, a, there's a substance that gets formed uh, through, through a certain type of protein, and this substance grows. But then as you feed this thought and you keep on thinking about this thought, it grows and it solidifies. But if you stop thinking about it, then it eventually dies. So what you believe about yourself, it's just been years and years and years of training yourself and building up those pathways. So if we are to transform our minds, the good news is that there is a transformation process. Do you know what's funny? Science used to tell us that brain, once your brain or once your uh, brain is formed, then it stays that way. So we, we used to l- learn or they used to teach uh, in the, up to about the 80s, uh, early 90s. They used to teach that the brain is solid. Once it's formed, it's formed. Also your DNA, once it's formed, it's formed. So if you have a fat gene, you're going to be fat. Or if you have a gene, uh, a, a diabetes gene, you are going to have diabetes eventually. But later on, we began to learn of a thing called brain plasticity, which is that your brain can shift, it can move, you can build it, you can, you can do various things, you can change. You can, the good news for those of us who are over 45 is that you can learn a new skill at any age. Whereas before, they thought that you are set in your ways. People who are older are said to be set in their ways. But yes, old dogs, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Statements like that. <laughs> so glad I'm not a dog, but anyway. <laughs> so, um, right. So... Now, it is important for us to understand that, that what the Word of God says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which we're going to read later, is possible. It's not just God saying something that is impossible. It's just that now we have the science to back it up. Now we have the science to explain the how. You see, what I found interesting is that God in His Word doesn't always give us the how and the why. He just says, do this. Because it's good for us. He is the one who created us. He knows what's good for us. So we need to learn that when he says do this, just do it. You'll find out later or not why. But the point is it will be for your good. It is always for our good. When God tells us to do something, it is always for our good. So when he tells us to be renewed, to be transformed, he knows that it is for our good. And so basically my thoughts are more a reflection of who I am or who I will become more than what I say and what I do. I'll repeat that. My thoughts are more a reflection of who I am more than what I say and what I do. Do you remember that that thing, you are what you eat? Have you heard people saying you are what what you eat? Now there's a scripture that I like in Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7. (laughs) It says something similar, but not quite. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. So here, this person is saying something, but actually his thoughts are saying something completely different. And the Bible says, if you had to decide who the real person is, between what he is saying to you and what he is thinking. What he is thinking is actually who the person is. Now I'd like you to take a brief moment and think, ask yourself, who am I? What are my thoughts like? In the course of the last week, what has been in my mind most of the time? When you have figured that out, understand that that is actually who you are, more than the, the things that you have done and the things that you have said. 
Now that's a sobering thought for a lot of us. It's a sobering thought for a lot of us because most of the time we think about the things that we have been seeing on social media, the things that we have been watching, etc., etc. The more you think about those things, the more they solidify in our minds. Now let me ask you a question. I did not prepare, but it's coming to me now. Why do you think that... Um, going to be so unpopular but anyway why do you think that in probably the last year you have seen if you have Netflix or any other whoever is producing things out there why do you think that we have um, such a focus on difference and difference that is geared towards a particular uh, agenda. Why do you think that in every show, well, let me put it this way, in many shows that I have seen on Netflix, there will be two dads or two moms or, um, you know, just add, add to that. So why is it that there is so much of it? Not just one show, but every show that has come out in the last few months has that in it. Because we are going to watch, right? And then when we watch these shows, you watch the first one, it's like, oh, okay. And you watch the second one, and you watch the third one. By the time you watch the 16th episode, it's normal. That's life. It's okay to have different families. Actually, even when you're a Christian, I mean, people are born that way after all. They can't help it. They're born that way. It's not a choice. This is just how they are. They can't help it. So then that thought becomes automatic. And then you have to say, hang on a moment, but what does the word of God say? Now the word of God has to fight to have a space in your mind, in your thoughts. Now it's the other way. Where now your thoughts are governed by the environment that we are in. Yeah. So... What I like, though, is that God hasn't left us helpless or hopeless in this situation. He hasn't left us to figure it out ourselves because he has given us a way out. He has shown us how to do this, and we're going to just go through that in a moment. We have the power to change this. We have the power to change how we think, and we have the power to change the content of our thoughts. But I have to repeat that it is up to us. It's up to us to make those choices. Um, you know, I like that in Deuteronomy, that scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19, uh, that he said to the children of Israel, and this applies to us as well, more so now than ever before. He says, Moses said to the children of Israel, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Choose. The Bible says we are to choose. But we have so been ingrained with this thing that there are certain things that you cannot choose. That choice is taken away from you. For example, that your genetics rule in your life. So um, there's, there's this theory that um, there's a... There's a, an alcoholism gene. There are people who, if they start drinking, will become alcoholics. Not that they may become alcoholics, but that they will. So your best defense in not becoming a, an alcoholic, if you are that person, is for you not to drink. So the argument there is that for that person to become an alcoholic, it's not their choice. This is how they were born. They haven't chosen this. It has chosen them. So 
that is very interesting and that also uh, is is there's a little bit of truth to that in the sense that it has been found that what i do today in my genes uh, will affect the next four or rather what i do now changes my genetic makeup such that it will affect my children to the fourth generation this is now proven science and it's in the word however just because i have this in my genes does not mean that i will become that way god has given us the ability to change all these things okay so he's given us the power of choice and not only that he has also given us weapons of warfare that he says that are powerful and effective and they are powerful and effective in our minds so with that i'd like us to go to second corinthians 10 verse 4 to 5 For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ So we do have those weapons God has not left left us helpless for us not to for us to not be able to do this These weapons are not carnal they are godly and they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds Yeah so we do have these and we're going to talk about how we do this and then Romans 12:2 which we read last week is and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So God has given us weapons of of warfare that we can use to cast down, okay? For the pulling down of strongholds and casting down arguments because remember as we think, thoughts come throughout the day, thoughts come and these are arguments. These are challenges to what you believe about the world. These are arguments to to what the word says about the world and how people are, etc., etc. So these arguments they come in. Now we're going to look at how we actually challenge these. But the first thing that we need to look at, which is important in how to do this, is we need to understand that we are to abide in the vine. Because you see, here's the thing. There are many principles that we find in the word of god that are powerful and the world has taken these principles because they have seen that they work and they have used them and they have had a measure of success in using these principles but what we need to understand is this that we have been created by god and for him So if we want complete success in us understanding the will of God and in us living out the will of God we cannot do it by self-will or by uh all you know all these things but we can do it only if we are abiding in the vine. John 15 verse 5 says, "I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains or woman remains in me and I in him, He will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. So people who take the principles of the word and apply them are like a branch that has been removed from the tree, but that still tries to photosynthesize for its leaves to photosynthesize for for life to flow through it. and that just does not work. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So we're looking at something very interesting here, waiting. I want us to look at the word wait and look at the word abide, okay? In the Hebrew there's a word which is kava which is Q A V A H and this means to bind together. Yes. Kava. <laughs> kava. Yeah, I like this one. Kava. Oh, kava. Anyway, kava which is to bind together. 
So when we wait on God, we are binding together with God. Okay. Another one is a Greek one, which is perimeno or meno. Thank you, Daniel. And this is to stay in a given place, given state, relation, or expectancy. To abide, to continue, to endure, to be present. So waiting on God or abiding in the vine means that we are to stay in his presence. So it means to deliberately spend time in God's presence, cultivating intimacy with him. To bind ourselves to him. This means that we have to day by day actively seek his face. Consciously spend time in prayer, worship, and the reading, the studying of his word. This brings us into the presence of the Lord. Meditating on the word of God is what we need. The presence of God is the atmosphere for healing and freedom. It is the atmosphere for us to hear clearly and to know what God wants. So, you know, often we try to take shortcuts. I know many people who have these um, affirmations, these positive affirmations. So every day you wake up and you say these things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, it's true and it's right. But these, if you just do it like that, these are just things that you are saying to yourself that are from the word. They are good things to say, but they will not give the power that they are meant to give unless they are done in the right context. Context is everything. So if we don't declare these things into our lives within the presence of God or with a thriving relationship with God, these things are just things that we say. And I heard somebody saying that there's research that has been done that shows that these positive affirmations that people have, like, you know, from scripture to other, to, uh, from other places as well, what they tend to do in some people is that they make them feel horrible about the people that they are. Because they keep on repeating these things, but they don't see change in their lives. So they lower their self-esteem. So if we don't do these things right, within the right context, then we end up harming ourselves. So we keep on saying these things for 20 years. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I don't have those moments where I just sit and I worship God by myself. Where I just sit and take the word of God and read it and study it. Where I allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me and to fill my heart. Like I said, the presence of God is the atmosphere for freedom, healing, and clarity for us. As it says in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So if we want to get rid of these um, mindsets and these ways of thinking... And we want to think in a way that allows God to speak to us or that we are able to discern the will of God. We have to understand that it is the Spirit of the Lord who enables us to do this thing and do it successfully. So it's important to do this because many people try to follow these practices. You know, practices that are meant to give inner peace, happiness and acceptance of their thoughts. Uh, I recently went to a training which was very interesting and I, and I really enjoyed it. But part of it, there was a bit of um, some very interesting thing. Some very interesting things that were done. So they have some mindfulness practices. And a lot of people have mindfulness practices that are good in themselves they are meant to change your thinking and make it more positive they are meant to make you a more accepting individual a more peaceful individual what's important for us to remember is that we are beings that were created by God and for God so if we do any of these things they will not yield what we want them to yield because they are apart from God So our highest and most lasting change comes through a dependence and reliance on on God, not independence from God. 
not me thinking that I am God and I'm part of the universe and me and the universe are one and I have this, you know, not me believing in energy, this energy that is going to vibrate and will create these um, changes in me. Not this life and light thing, no. We need to be clear about what we believe. And the only way we can is by abiding in the vine. Because I know for many of us Christians, we have taken these things in. We have believed in them. We live in them. Because we have not learned to discern. Discernment doesn't come alive when we are not in God's presence, when we are not in His Word, but we are full of what social media tells us. We know exactly what this star said, and this star wore, and this person did, and that person did, but we are clueless as to what Jesus said. Okay. All right. Now the second thing that we need to do, (laughs) aside from abiding in the vine... Is the second thing is that we are we are called to be managers of our own minds. God has not created us to just exist. Ah, oh, well, this is how it is. No, we are to manage. We are to take control. And part of oh, just also another interesting thing is that part of um, you know the, the the mindfulness movement and all of that has to do with the fact that you are to accept. The thoughts that come to your mind. So don't resist them. But accept them. Because thoughts are just, fl- are just coming in and out of your mind. So just explore them and release them. So pick them up and look at them. And let them go. They are harmless. But that's not what the word of God says. Thoughts are not harmless. And like we've said, a thought creates. Even in your brain, it creates something. So you cannot just leave thoughts because they're not harmless. You know, our minds are not meant to be a highway of thoughts rushing in and out at high speed without being stopped by anything. How we are is not locked in, and the brain and our minds are malleable. They can still be changed, but it requires effort on our part. And I know initially when you try to do this, it's difficult because it's something that we are not used to. God has given us the responsibility to manage our minds, to keep and encourage thoughts that are pleasing to Him, thoughts that propel us towards life. We are to break down any thoughts that are not in line with the Word of God in our lives. And briefly, uh, just before I go to the practicals, I just want to tell you what strongholds are. I mean, you remember we looked in Second Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 5. It says that our wep- the weapons of our warfare that God has given to us are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, right? So I just want to explain a little bit what a stronghold is. In Roman times, what would happen is that um, in, in each city, in their cities, they would have, um, especially when it was times of war, they would have a place where, which was built up. It had high walls around it. And this place was strongly guarded. But it had many guards and it had these walls up. And it had one main guard that was watching over it to ensure that Rome keeps um, dominion over this city. They keep dominion over this place that they have overcome and conquered. So in our minds, we have strongholds, we have thoughts, we have beliefs about ourselves uh, that are not in line with God's word. Like, um, you know, no matter how hard I try, things fail. For example, that's a stronghold and that's something that you need to break down because what begins to happen is that the more you think about this, the more you start acting in line with that and you create that thing to be a truth when in fact it wasn't the truth. It's the lie of the devil. So strongholds in our minds are lies that the enemy has told us over and over and over again that we have started believing them. And now there are walls that we have erected around these lies. Defense mechanisms. You know, where you defend this thing like anything. When somebody challenges you on this thing, it, you know, you start, like you automatically, you just want to, they, they must just get away from you. 
Those are strongholds. Those things that you so believe about yourself that nobody can touch them. And some of these things, what they begin to do is that they, like I said, they, they end up, because what you think is what you eventually end up acting, acting out. Because you believe it. You think it, you believe it, and you act it out. So you find that sometimes you, you, you end up being your own worst enemy. Where you make these things true about yourself. You try this and then it doesn't work. You try that and then it doesn't work. You try the other and then it doesn't work. And when you actually check why it hasn't worked, you are the one who got in your own way. But you don't know how to get out of your own way. Because this thing is a stronghold that is there. Okay. So these strongholds have embedded themselves such that they also um, give birth to habits, to undesirable undesirable habits that you may have. So let's say, for example, you believe deep down that anything that you do will amount to nothing. That thing, the longer you start thinking it, the longer you believe in it, you can find that it invites other things to it as well. Like, for example, you are lazy. Anytime you feel like doing something, you just get tired so you, you, you find that anything that you do, you do less than perfect. You rush through things. Whenever you do things, you just rush through it. You are trying to align yourself with this path that is in your mind that you cannot quite get away from. So understand that some of the habits that we have, they, in fact, all habits that we have start in our brain. They start with one thought that is developed over time. So now, what we then need to do is we need to apply the word of God to that so that we then break it down. We break the walls around the stronghold and we, 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 we pull it down. And, for example, perhaps you were told that you will never amount to anything, an example that I've put here, as a little girl, and you were told by your parents that girls don't do well in science subjects and maths, etc. It's too difficult for, for girls. Maths and science are too difficult for girls. I mean... I don't know if, if I was to look at many people sitting here, many of us were told that and believed it. Thank God that not all of us believed it, you know. But many of us believed this thing, that science is for boys, maths is for boys. So I've known of many people who were bright in these subjects and they grew up thinking, no, 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 you know, and then they were bright and then they hit a certain age. And when they hit a certain age and things began to be difficult, some concepts began to be difficult for them, they started remembering that, oh, by the way, yeah, maths and science are not good. They're, not, they're difficult for girls. This is not for girls. And you go and you ask people for help and they say, I told you, this thing is not for girls. I don't know why you're doing this. They reinforce it. And the more they reinforce it, they more, and then as you do that first test, maybe in grade eight, you fail maths dismally. And you're like, ah, oh, okay, this is really true. And then as this thing gets reinforced and reinforced, you start hearing other people telling you, why don't you become this? Why don't you become that? And you start entertaining those thoughts then this person who is meant to be a doctor or an engineer or something else ends up doing something else. They end up wandering around in their lives doing something else that they don't enjoy because they believed a lie. Yeah. So this can affect you even when you realize that it's a lie from the devil. But you, as much as you try to get rid of it, it is difficult. You try but fail and struggle with thoughts of inferiority, etc. But you can't get over it. Now let's deal with actually now how we manage our minds and how we deal with these strongholds. <laughs> I like that these weapons that we have are mighty and that they are in God. Okay. So... Um, before we go into these keys, I also want us to look at two other verses 
The one is James chapter 4 verse 7. And it says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. And then John 8.32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Or the truth shall set you free. So with these um, verses in mind, we'll refer to them again. I would like us to look at some of the steps that we can take in order to find the freedom or to transform our minds. The first one is that you need to identify the lie that the enemy has told you. That lie that you have believed. So identify the stronghold, right? So you have to identify it. You have to name it. So you have to know what it is that you're dealing with here. And the advice is to do it one thing at a time. Because I know many of us have a a few strongholds or a few lies that we have believed. Things that are not true according to the word of God. So you need to identify your enemy. If you don't identify your enemy, if you don't know who it is, then you just, you just throw bullets everywhere without, without hitting the mark. So firstly, identify the stronghold and acknowledge that it exists. Because sometimes we lie to ourselves and we don't want to admit things. Even when other people point it out to you, you don't want to admit it. So we identify that stronghold, right? And then the second thing that we do is you have that and then where in the word of God does it speak about that thing? Find the truth of the word of God that aligns with that thing. So let's say, for example, I, I have the fear of, of, of trying out new things. Okay. So with that, then you can find the scripture that says, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So that is the scripture that speaks directly to the fact that I have the fear of man, let's say, or I have the fear of trying out new things. So those two statements are important because what you need to do is then you need to write them down. You write down the thing that you are dealing with, the stronghold that you are pulling down, And then you write down the truth. Okay, this is what the word of God says about this. So you can write down a couple of verses. It doesn't matter. Just look in the word. What does the word of God say about this thing? Okay, so write that down. And then another thing that you need to do is where you have believed the lie that the enemy has told you, And you have agreed with it. In other words, you have lived, you have lived your life around this thing. You have built your life in accommodation of this thing. And you have allowed it to, to take part, to be a part of your life. You need to go to God, as James says, James 4 7, submit to God. You need to go to God, ask for forgiveness for allowing this thing to be a part of your life. And for agreeing with it. Give you an example. If I'm a person who thinks that, um, you know, good things don't happen to me and I have self-pity as an issue. Okay. So that thing, you invite it. Because you have moments where things are happening. Let's say you see people talking there and they're not coming to me. You have that invitation of, oh, shame. Oh, they're not talking to me. Da, 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 da. It's up to me to accept that thing and to befriend it and to feel it and to feed it. Or I can say, no, I'm, I'm going to go to them and talk to them. I'm not going to stand here and have that self, have a pity party here. So what we need to understand is that we need to go to God and ask him to forgive us for having allowed this thing, for having given it space to invade our space and to live with us. So when we do this, when we ask God to forgive us and we repent of the thing, we are in submission to him. And then when we resist the thing, then it will go. But you cannot resist something that you are befriending. You cannot resist something that you put close to you. 
You know, it's, it's like, for example, people who, uh, let's say maybe you, you are struggling with uh, porn, let's say. You cannot resist the thing that you put here in front of you. No, just, just a little bit. You know, no, I'll be fine by yourself in your bedroom. I, I'll be fine even if my phone is here. It's okay. Let me just go to YouTube a little bit. That's not resistance. That's befriending something. It's not resisting it. So we've got to be hard about this. We've got to be hard and decide what we want. Do I want to live in the will of God and be who God has called me to be? Or do I want to play around with the world? And if I want to play around with the world, it's okay. It's fine. Let me just accept it and take it and live in the world. But if I want to live and understand what the will of God is for my life and for those who are around me, I will have to be hard and face the truth as it is that I have taken this thing and I have coddled it and it's become my friend. So I need to ask God for forgiveness and resist the thing. And then the things that you have written down. So you've written down the lie. You've written down the truth. Then what you do is you take those two you put them together and you create what we call, you remember those affirmations we were talking about? Those practices that people use out there? You create an affirmation out of that. You create a statement because it's a declaration. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, right? So we take those, you put together, so you create a powerful state, statement that says what God says about you and that lie. Okay, so, for example, it can be something like, um, I am not fearful because God has not given me the spirit of fear, but he has given me love, power, and a sound mind. So I have a mind that is strong, that is amazing, that is creative. So you make it into what will be compelling to you. You make it into something that will speak to you. So it's not like, yeah, okay, I'm not fearful. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And you move on. No! Because remember, this is something that is powerful, that is stuck in your mind. So you need to do everything that you can to tell your brain that, hey, we are moving course now. So then you create something, a declaration that when you say this thing, you believe it. All right. So... It's something like, you know what, Knox, you are not fearful. You are a child of the living God. And God has not given you fear, so you don't take gifts from anyone else but God. God has given you an amazing, creative mind. The mind of Christ. It is sober. It is alert. It is creative. It is dynamic. You understand? God has not given me that. But I am sober, I am steadfast, I am immovable in the things that God has called me to. So you create your own, these are just some of the ones that I've got, but you create your own ones that speak to that thing. And every day you spend some time, you spend time in the word of God, you pray, etc. And then you say this, you declare it to yourself. And then you do what? You meditate on it. Because remember, meditation, our meditation, is not Eastern meditation. Because Eastern meditation requires a clearing of the mind so that you can, yeah. It's a clearing of the mind so that you can be at peace. Okay. Which makes no sense to me. But our meditation, and I, and I love people who believe in Eastern things. Believe me, I love them. They, they are amazing people. They just, I think they're just lost. But um, our meditation, I do think so. Our meditation, this is how it goes. We meditate by filling our minds. We don't empty our minds, but we fill our minds. And you fill your mind with what the Word says. So you fill your mind with the truth of the word of God. Because what we are doing is, remember we have this pathway, right? So the pathway of fear is here. Now I have this, 
this other place that is, that is overgrown. Now I have to abandon this pathway of fear and create a new neural pathway altogether. Right. So I have to create this new pathway. So the first day that I say this thing to myself, I feel a bit weird. I feel a bit phony because I, this is fake. What are you doing exactly? This is ridiculous because this pathway doesn't want me to leave it. This pathway doesn't want to be left. It's comfortable for me to keep on walking on it every day. Right? So now I need to create a new pathway. So the first time I take the word of God and I declare it over myself. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I need to hear myself saying the word of God to myself over and over again. Because I'm building this new pathway with the word of God. And as I say it, the more you say it. So you say it the first day. Okay, it's odd. You say it maybe at 1 p.m. because, hey, you can feel the fear coming. So you say it again at 1 p.m. And you say it again tomorrow in the morning when you're spending time with God. You say it again. It starts becoming a path. And then what begins to happen is that over time, that other path begins to be overgrown. Because that's what happens. When there's no movement there, then something has got to grow. So it becomes less and less powerful over you. But here's the trick. You have got to repeat it. Why do you think God said to the children of Israel that they must speak to the children about the word of God? Tell them the law. Talk to them about it. When they're working, when they're eating, when they're sitting. When So you tell them over and over and over and over and over again. Until the thing becomes a part of you. So you say this thing. And then because you're doing it in God's presence. And you are hearing it. It builds up faith on the inside of you. And the more you say it. The more it starts building itself in you. Uh, Something interesting. um, There are differences here. Some say that you need to do this for at least 21 days. Well, you do need to do it for at least 21 days. Repeat this to yourself daily for at least 21 days. Some will say you need to repeat it for, uh, you know, cycles of 21 days. And then others say you need to, in order for it to start growing, it needs to be a 40 day, 40 days. And interestingly enough, I was hearing this from some mindfulness person and I asked them, what's the magic in 40? They couldn't answer. They couldn't tell me why 40. And I'm like, okay, I'm curious because I know certain things that happened in cycles of 40 in the Bible. So I thought maybe it's because it's a biblical principle. And, uh, you know, if it's God who did it that way, then, you know. So 40 days. My recommendation would be do it for at least 40 days. Until it becomes a part of who you are. Until you see the other thing losing grip. And understand that because a lot of these things we've, we've been raised with and you've had in your life for what, 30 years or however many years you, you've had, don't expect, don't expect that, okay, I'll do it for 20 days or I'll do it for 40 days and okay, it's not working, then I throw it away. Then what you are doing is you are believing the lie that you have been believing, that anything that you do does not amount to anything. So pursue it. Let's pursue the word of God and meditate on it day and night, like it says. So you meditate on this thing. And then as you keep on meditating on it, you put action into it. Faith without works is dead. So you act upon it. You act upon the thing. So if it is that you have been fearful and you have not been trying to look for work, you open pages, you know, you you go, pages, you can tell how old I am, newspapers. Um, you know, you look, you look at ads, you ask people, you know, I'm looking for a job in this and this and this. You prepare your CV, you do whatever you need to do, which is contrary to the lie that you have been believing all your life. And I can tell you that it's amazing. The word of God works. The things that begin to happen when you do this, it's like God opens your eyes and for the first time you you start seeing things that you've never seen before. You start seeing, you're like, hang on, there's this opportunity here. 
There's that opportunity here. And because you are doing this in abiding with God, what begins to happen is that God opens those opportunities for you because He knows you are ready for them. He knows that you are ready for them and you are able to hear Him when He speaks to you. So, yeah. So, the Bible tells us to fix our minds on the truth. And it says, you know, if you look at, like I was saying, Christian meditation, it's about us fixing our minds on the truth. You can look at Colossians 3 verse 2 as I close, and Philippians 4, 8. Hmm. Then isn't it wonderful that I don't have them here? But Philippians 4, 8, it's that scripture with the whatsoever things are, true, whatsoever things are, worthy, whatsoever things are of virtue, whatsoever things are of good report, it has like nine things, praiseworthy, yes, yes, think on these things. So that is how we meditate, we meditate on these good things, and as we meditate on them, they begin to change our pathways, and we start hearing God clearly. So, <laughs> what, uh, so, um, what I'm gonna ask us to do now is, uh, can we please stand? We are going to stand. And, um, you know, like I, like I said earlier, that we are people that God has created. He has created us for Himself. And it's important for us to know that. But, as we're standing, I just want us to, I want to remind us of something else that, you know, while you are doing this, every day of your life, there'll be thoughts that come, you know, thoughts that will come every day because thoughts do come. You cannot stop thoughts from coming, but you can stop them from building a nest. You know, like you, if a bird comes, you're not going to say, oh, it's a bird and you let it nest. Yeah, I know it might look like a nest, but it's not. But, you know, um, you won't allow a bird to build a nest on your head. So I would like us to use our mouths, use our words. When a thought comes to you that is not in line with the word of God, you arrest it, like it says in Corinthians. So you command the thought to go in the name of Jesus. This is not who I am. This is not what God says I am. So I resist you in the name of Jesus. And then you replace that with the word of God. And we do that and we do that. And you will see, you will start understand. You will start seeing control over your mind. You know, it won't just be this confused mess of stuff happening. All right. So, um, can I just pray for us? Okay. Heavenly Father, I bring each and every one of us in this room and those who are watching at home. My God, you know the struggles that we face with our minds. You know, God, that really, it truly is a war. It is a battle, Heavenly Father. So I pray for each person that has heard this word that you would help them to understand that, Lord, your power rests on the inside of them and that they can be transformed, dear Lord, such that they align themselves to you and that they know what is your good, your acceptable and your perfect will, Father God. I pray, God, that you would remind us of that and that we would not allow the lies of the enemy to cause us to live a life that is less than what you have called us to in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for those who are just feeling helpless and feeling like, um, you know, they, this is not something that they can do. I pray, God, for your strength in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. And I just want to encourage, because I sense that there are some people who, who are saying that whatever belief that they have, that something say that, no, this thing is more than just a belief. That it feels like there's an entity or that it's a demonic influence. I want to encourage you to seek help. I want to encourage you to, to reach out to 
to a leader to reach out to someone, your connect group leader, somebody, so that you can be prayed for. So that thing can be prayed for and be removed from you. And then you can do the work that you need to do. Because here's the thing, even if a spirit has left, there's still work for you to do, to take care of what happens in your own mind. So we speak in the name of Jesus to every evil spirit. In particular, the spirit of, just that familiar spirit of uh, self-pity. In the name of Jesus, we command you to flee in Jesus' mighty name. And the spirit of fear, the spirit of timidity, we command you to leave in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And also that, that, um, that helplessness, that sense of being helpless and hopeless. We resist you now in the name of Jesus. And we command you to leave in Jesus' name. And Father God, we thank you that as we submit ourselves to you, we resist the devil and he will flee. And I thank you, Lord, for that. And I give you the praise. And I thank you, Father God, that as we take your word, as we identify those negative thoughts, as we take your word and apply it, dear God, and as we meditate on what you are saying about us, thank you, Father, that we will get the freedom that we need. In the mighty and precious name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Sisnox. Wow, what a great word, guys. Can we just... Give Knox a hand. Thank you. Woo! We're going to go do some workouts in the, in the mind gym this week. Amen? You know what, guys? Just before we go, this week I was, I was so disappointed to hear somebody talking this last week. Don't worry, nobody in our church. And, um, <laughs> and they were like, they were just saying this whole thing that was just so not biblical. It was just so not right, what they were saying. It was just not truth. And then on this side, they proclaimed to be a Christian. But their mind and their thinking, when it came to the area of, of, I won't even, of politics or the area of humanity, was, was this way. But, but on this side, they're praying to Jesus and, and loving Jesus. And I just thought, you know, when I saw that this week, I thought, you know, it's so possible that we can have this relationship with Jesus, but live a life that is so contrary to what God wants for us. You know, in every area of our lives, Knox was speaking about it in terms of just your identity and your purpose and how you think about yourself. And and, and so it's possible that we can have this relationship with Jesus, but we can live in a whole different way. And what is the switch? The switch is our thinking and getting our minds biblical, getting our minds right with the Word of God and thinking what God thinks about ourselves and thinking about people the way God thinks about people and thinking about the future the way God thinks about the future and thinking about marriage the way God thinks about marriage and thinking about sex the way God thinks about sex and thinking about children the way God thinks about children, renewing our minds with the Word. And the more we do that, the more we think in line with the Word of God, the more we walk in the blessing of God and experience the kingdom of God on earth. Which is, I'm so glad Knox brought up that scripture about Deuteronomy. I said before you, life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life that you may live. Choose blessings that you may walk in it. And it's the mind that we need to work on. Amen? And another thing I've noticed, a lot of people want it, but they're not willing to do the work. Just like we all want to have a six-pack like mine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just thinking about the men's camp and... How few six packs there were. <laughs> we all want the six pack, but we're not all willing to get into the gym to go and do it. It's the same with our minds. We all want to think right, but we're not willing to put in the work. We're not willing to turn off the Netflix. I want to encourage you this week turn off the Netflix, open the Bible, and meditate on the Word of God. You will see just incredible fruits happen in your life. Before we close, I want to give an opportunity for those who do not know Jesus to receive Jesus. If you're listening online and and you've joined in and you haven't made Jesus your Lord, I want you to know this. No matter how well you think in your mind, it will never save you. You know, the world is selling a philosophy out there that says all you have to do is think right 
in order to, you know, have salvation, have the best. Listen, your future is death. And that's it. That's final. There's only one thing that will save you from that. And that's Jesus Christ. A relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you today, if you have not yet given your life to Jesus, please, don't be, don't be fooled. Don't think that you're strong, that you're smart, that you can make it, that you can whatever. You need to give your life to Jesus. You have to repent of your sins. You have to put your faith in Him. You have to go get baptized in water. And you have to join a local church and follow Him. Make Him your Lord and your Savior. And then when you die, though you die, you shall live. It's not just about this good life here on earth. It's about the, the life eternal to come. You can have the best life here on earth and then die and you take nothing with you. For what? For what? Eternity is a breath away. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, I encourage you today, give your life to Jesus. This could be your last day. Hopefully not. But if it is, are you going to be in eternity? Will you have eternal life? Jesus came so that you could have life and have it eternal. If you haven't, I want you to, I want you to pray with me today. Where you are online, here in the auditorium, I want you to pray just a simple prayer, something like this. It says, Father God, say this, Father God, I come to you today. I repent of my sins. I repent of trying to do it by my own. I put my faith in Jesus. I make Him my Lord. I make Him my Savior. I say, come into my life, Jesus, and give me eternal life. I need you, and I'll follow you for the rest of my days. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, after the service, please come talk to me. I'm here. I'd love to guide you on what the next step is and how to live out your faith. If you're online and you prayed that at home or wherever you are, please let us know. Click in the chat. There'll be a link there. Give us your details. We want to help you follow Jesus for the rest of your life. Amen. Church, bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you, Knox. What an amazing message. We'll see you again next Sunday. Amen. Thank you for joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website.